Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to Tennis Unfiltered with me, James Gray of inews.co.uk and the iNewspaper. Uh, someone pointed out to me to the other day that I do the millennial pause, which apparently is a thing that millennials do at the beginning of recording a video or an audio thing where they pause before speaking. Uh, and now I cannot unhear it every time I do it and I cannot stop myself doing it either. So I apologise if that now you can't miss unhear it either. Uh, I've got George Belshaw and I've got Calvin Better on our resident Tennis broadcaster, writer, and coach, respectively, with me. Uh, we're going to go over the last seven days of tennis news, of which there has once again been an absolute load. We're going to talk about Sky Sports' uh, return to tennis as well, because I've been speaking to a few people there. I've been passing them your comments and complaints, and they've come back to me on one or two things. Um, so we'll discuss that as well. We'll talk about Simona Halep, of course, because we've had a few days to digest that 126-page document detailing her doping uh, charge. We'll talk about the Davis Cup finals where Britain are through to Malaga rather sensationally and Jack Draper recorded what I think is one of the greatest videos of all time, quite frankly, um, being driven home by Andy Murray. Uh, Spain are out, Holgerun has got a back injury and people are still talking about Ben Shelton and Novak Djokovic. This is Tennis Unfiltered. Right, there's only one place to start and it's with a five-star review, obviously. Uh, I, I, yeah, I know. George George makes the correct face, the ooh face. Uh, It's very short as well. It's from Manny CR in the United States, where I know we have lots of fans. Said, love the US final review. So bold and brilliant. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Manny. People on YouTube didn't enjoy it quite as much, but I think they might just have thought we weren't paying quite enough attention to their favourite player. But that is, unfortunately, the uh, nature of it. We can't always talk about one person all the time. Um... I think we'll start with Sky Sports, George. Um, first of all, just give me your... Because you're the only one who was in the UK for the whole of the US Open. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that you watched every match, of course. But um, just give me a little bit of your your take on the free song, the coverage, the the style of it, and, and kind of what you thought of overall. And, and is it good to have tennis back on Sky instead of on Amazon? Um, I mean, 
to be perfectly honest, I didn't often stick around for much of the coverage that wasn't the tennis. I would mm. quite often be joining matches per se. So I, I, I wouldn't say I've got like massively strong views about it. I mean, the bits I did see felt a bit kind of standard, I thought, on the whole. There wasn't much I saw that I thought, well, this is really radical or different. It's kind of quite safe fat. Um, and I guess, you know, maybe the criticism from that is that we'd been promised something a bit more daring i suppose um I, I i did kind of miss amazon a little bit i have to say i, I like i'd got used to the setup after a few years of kind of having all the screens and um i i think for actual tennis fans who've been through the kind of looking glass of amazon if you like it probably was quite a good product by the end um the issue was it was impossible to find the for non-tennis fans and even a little bit tricky for those who knew where they went meant to be going so I, I, there's obvious pros and cons um you know we'll come on to some of the statistics they've sent you james which i found a little bit puzzling <laughs> from like a, a kind of broadcasting perspective i think they're, they're trying to sell something a little bit that is like comparing apples and oranges i suppose um but yeah i i, I didn't have any great hate towards it i just thought it was a bit yeah, seen this before. Not no great surprises. Actually, probably my biggest complaint is I'm not, and I, I don't really like picking on people, but I'm not a huge fan of Feliciano Lopez or um, Bartoli. I have to say, <laughs> I, I don't think they do it for me as a commentator. And, you know, it's always personal choice, isn't it? But, but that's my own personal uh, view. I don't think Feliciano Lopez, if he did listen to our podcast before, still listens to our podcast because it's not the first time we've mentioned his name and uh, not in the most uh, glowing of terms. Uh, Calvin, kind of similar question, I suppose. You were obviously away in the US for uh, the first half of the US Open, but we'll have seen some of it coming back. Um, I mean, Amazon had time and this is the first year and I would always kind of preface everything by saying teething problems are inevitable, but what were your overall kind of thoughts on it? Uh, well, I didn't. By the time I got back, I think basically the the multi court thing was done. By the time mm. I tuned in to watch it, cause it was kind of Tuesday. By the time I um, Tuesday Wednesday actually, by the time I actually got back to watch some tennis, so mm. I don't know how well that worked. Um, I'm hoping that they continue that at every tournament that they have, because that's what Amazon have been absolutely excellent on, um, mm. and also selfishly, my job somewhat depends on it um, <laughs> that I can stick the doubles on on court twenty seven. Yeah. Um, when my players are playing. Um, so I really hope that that continues, and it would be a huge backward step for tennis if it doesn't, I think. Um, the benefit of Sky is that, as we've said and I've alluded to before, is that you literally turn your telly on and you press 407 or wherever it's on, and the tennis is on. And if you want to watch mm. a different court, you press the red button and you can find them. Whereas Amazon, it was, I think one time I found you had to go through nine menus to get a match that you wanted to see. Mm. Um which, which you know, as silly as it seems, and it, it, you'd think it, it's perfunctory, but it can take you about five minutes to do that, and that's a lot of time if you just want to watch a tennis match. Yeah. Um, uh, again, I'll I'll echo what George said. Um, I I don't rate Bartoli or Feliciano Lopez as commentators. I think they're poor. I'd even go as far as to say Bartoli would turn you off of watching the sport um, because she has done it with me. I've 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 had it on. And I just find it completely unlistenable. Mm. And it's a combination of, and I don't, I hope I'm not sounding offensive when I say this. I, I don't understand a lot of what she's saying. Um, mm. I don't think she speaks good enough English. 
to be a commentator or a pundit at that level. I find her voice quite grating. And I also think that some of the stuff she says, she doesn't think through and it, it mm. just ramble. But And it's a combination of all those things. Feliciano Lopez sounded to me like he wasn't particularly interested in commentating. If I'm <laughs> honest, he, he just didn't really do anything other than that was a good shot. I really hope he wins and stuff yeah. like that. Um, and I don't know. To be honest, I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised if he does have any interest in commentating. He's got his fingers in a lot of pies in tennis, and you know he's, he seems to be doing a lot politically. Um, I don't think it's something that he will end up doing in the long term. I worry that I we might end it, up with Bartoli in the long term. I don't know if it's libelous for me to say that there's money involved. Like obviously there is. Like he's not. Yeah, doing but it for I think free. he's probably doing all right for himself, James, as well. Like from yeah. from you know what I hear, I don't think the money that you would get for being a commentator or a tennis commentator, anyway is really going to make a difference to his life. Um, mm. I think some things that they are going to have to do, I'm a bit disappointed that they've kind of... That, I mean, I don't think anyone was actually in New York, and that's one of the things that struck out for me when I was there, was that, that in the grounds they have these areas where ESPN are recording and that kind of stuff. And I think if we're just going in a studio and we're just going through the same chat with the same name, I don't really see who else you're going to pull in. Um, that's going to interest you in the sport, but other than that, uh, you know, I thought the I thought the coverage was fine. It's it's you know, there's only so much you can do with tennis coverage. Um, yeah, it's difficult. So yeah, uh, just on the the sort of New York and here angle. Um, yeah, so Carthy uh, was out, who people will know from the Stay program and for BBC and lots of other presenting and on court interviews at Queens and and Wimbledon. To be fair. Um, so she was out there in, in the alleys for the first week and then um, the uh, Emma Patton was out there as well. But then the sort of main crew, you know, your, your Henmans and your Navratilovas um, didn't go out until the, the second week. So, yeah, I mean, that's I mean, that's fairly standard these days, to be honest. And I know, you know, from I wrote a big feature about Sky Sports before the um, before the tournament and I spoke to quite a few people involved, you know, sort of behind the scenes and they all said, look, the biggest thing we learned from COVID is a lot of our production stuff we can do, you know, remotely. And I, you know, as someone who finds a huge amount of value in in going to tournaments, I don't like to hear that. But you know, I think technical jobs there is a lot of stuff you can do from across the Atlantic. It is, but it's it's not. I think it's not just about yeah, we can do this. It's does it give a good, as good a product? And let's be honest, you know, for, for mm. about five years ago, Sky decided they were going to stop spending money on anything other than football other than Premier League football, really. Mm. Um, you know, the, the, the cricket coverage, which which what has always been absolutely top class, they stopped going to the, the tours and that kind of thing. They ran the coverage from, from most of the tours from a studio in London um, and just had one or two commentators out there. And, and, and mm. with that, you lost a lot of the character of the, of the tours and that kind of thing. Because I think in particular, same in tennis with cricket, you, it's, if you just have a studio in London and a tennis court, it could be absolutely anywhere. And you don't get a feeling mm. for, for where they actually are. Whereas when mm. they're there in the place, you, you just, it just feels like a different, it gives each tournament a different character. Mm. Um, if, Georgia, sorry, George, I know you want to come in, but I've just, I've, I'm I'm gonna I, I've been given a statement by Sky, um, and I think given we've already talked a fair bit about it, it'd be only fair to sort of give them their right of reply, if you like. So here's a statement um, 
that Sky were good enough to, to send me via a spokesperson. Uh, they said, we've been hugely excited to welcome US Open back to Sky Sports and hope the majority of those watching enjoyed what they saw. We welcome feedback from viewers and continually review our output and user experience across all platforms for Sky Sports customers and now members to ensure it's the best it can be. Um, I'll, I'll read out some of the complaints and comments that we had from, from listeners as well. And, and I've sort of been given a, a little bit of info on some of those as well, just kind of off the record stuff. So I'm happy to share some of that. But George, you want to come in? <laughs> I was just going to uh, praise someone for some fun commentary that I actually quite enjoyed. And uh, it was actually Navratilova in the final um, when she was translating what Djokovic's box was saying. Um, mm, that was useful. Kind of tactically going into Medvedev. I, I think that sort of thing is kind of invaluable, really, for a viewer. The, the other other gripe, and I've I've said this before, and you know, I think this is I just cannot stand TV broadcasters flicking away from the match when the players are talking to the umpire at the net during mm. games. And I know, okay, you've got some advertising you need to put on or whatever, but that happens just so frequently, and it's often the most interesting bit of certain matches in my opinion and sets the scene for the rest of it so that is my plea to Sky to if you see that happening pause an ad break take an extra long one some other point it's not the end of the world yeah I mean I think the only thing the only other thing I'd add is and and this is nothing really to do with Sky but from what I could see and I I heard from other people what really added to the coverage was being able to hear what the coaches were saying to the players Mm, yeah and I know that you know it's a contentious subject as some people seem to think it's it's bad for the product which i still can't get my head around why that is um but i I think that that is really something that that is new that could add to the experience of watching a tennis match Mm. yeah i completely agree um, let me give you, because lots of you were kind enough to send in via email. Remember, tennisunfiltered at gmail.com is where you can email us. At unfilteredtennis is where you can find us on Twitter slash X, as I've started reading in popping uh, <laughs> a few places. Um, so here are a few of the kind of comments and complaints. I'm going to start with a positive because there weren't many of them, and this is inevitable. People who deal with customer feedback will know that complaints are much more common than, than positive ones. Um I love the fact I haven't got names on all of these because I, I anonymized it all before I sent it to Sky. So none of your details have been shared with Sky, I assure you. Uh, I love the fact that tennis is back on Sky Sports. I'd like to think this is now a permanent fixture. Cannot stand the Eurosport coverage or the BBC. I've spent years frustratingly researching where and when I can watch tennis on the television in the UK. I, I do don't agree with all of that, but I do agree that it's annoying when you have to find out. It's great when sports are all in the same place. Um, even like I'm in France for the Rugby World Cup at the moment, and there are three different broadcasters showing it on French TV, which is, and French TV is pretty unnavigable at the best of times. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't mind me. Um, well, I, I sent them one from me, which was that as a Virgin Media Sky Sports standard definition subscriber, I couldn't get court choice. I could only get court choice on the app on my phone. I couldn't get it on my laptop or on my TV, which I. And so what I've been told about this is a couple of other people have talked about this. Um, someone said, I think if you're accessing via Now TV, you just see the court, not even who is playing, like in a little title, which is pretty annoying, I think. Oh, um, there's no mine, catch-up mine option. Did, did mine it? Mine did have the um, people who were right. playing a lot of the time. That's positive. Um, there's no catch-up option. I have noticed this. Like, There's not a lot of match mm. replays being uploaded. I thought that was one of the best things about Amazon is that you could pretty much, you know, go and find a match. Um, 
and especially for something like the US Open where like the best matches are on overnight and you might want to watch the full replay. Um I thought that was was pretty pretty frustrating. Um yeah, just to, to kind of catch up on that. So so I now I know that now members could watch um the US Open across all the different channels with some daily highlights and selected matches um available on demand, which again like i think you're making a bed for yourself there um yeah someone else said barely any replays perhaps two a day they get uploaded after the event which is nowhere near enough i i i mean i don't know how difficult it is like i'm not a scheduler i've not had to deal with this but seems like a fairly straightforward thing to do um i've also been given some numbers uh people will have seen i don't know if these yeah these viewing figures were this week weren't they that the women's final did, I think, 3.5 million in the US, and the men's final did about 2.7. First time the women's have beaten the men's in a while, um, which is pretty does remarkable. It, does it not beat the men's every year because of the NFL on a Sunday? Yeah, I think in part, yeah. But I think in some years it hasn't, like because you know they've not always been super interesting finals. Mm. Um, the uh, Sky tell me in the UK it was the the highest peak for a US Open women's final since 2015 and the highest peak for a men's final. Um, was... by, or peak viewing, sorry. George, go on. I was going to say, I was, I was absolutely staggered that the 2015 final for the women would be the peak because that was the year where the US Open women's final, the tickets sold out faster than they'd ever sold out before because Serena was on for her calendar grand slam mm. she lost in the semi-finals uh, and it was the two italian players in the final panetta and venti i think um but i cannot believe that translated into a broadcast success um i mean it's obviously very relative and it went off sky but i can't remember what was the 2016 final because i'd have thought to be perfectly I, honest i'm so glad that you thought... like you, we were talking about this in whatsapp earlier george and you didn't ask me that in whatsapp but you have asked me like live on air because i can remember the 2017 final 26 kerber beat pliskova i mean it's not exciting it's not um, as big, but I mean, but but honestly, Vinci, would would anyone really in the UK be drawn to that match? It feels odd. Uh, but... There are always circumstantial things with TV ratings. It does happen a lot. I, I think what's important, so Sky, for example, uh, also, uh, I think it was supposed to be the highest ever pay TV or highest pay TV audience since 2015. But Sky have only shown one US Open since 2015 because 2016 <laughs> was their last one. And I suspect are not counting Amazon as uh, pay TV because it's not TV it's streaming, so it is different. Yeah, um, yeah it probably wouldn't be higher though. To be fair, no. I, I, I was just thinking that one thing that would worry me is is just the, the difference in price that it will cost to watch tennis now from Amazon to I think it's eight ninety nine for Amazon for a student, mm. I think it's four ninety nine. Whereas if you want a Sky package, you're looking at up to a hundred quid a month. Well, you, you, if you do it through Now TV, it's about thirty, right? Right. Okay. Five, five pay, I think. Yeah, which is the sort of comparable one. Oh, good. My light's gone out. Oh, the viewers on YouTube, you get a bit more of a moody uh, version of me now because I've lost my light. Anyway, um, I, I'm sorry that's not more kind of extensive. I, I sort of knew that we wouldn't necessarily get you know 
pound for pound explanation because that's not the way these big companies necessarily work. But I'm grateful to Sky. Um, they they actually reached out to me and said, "Oh, I heard on your podcast you're going to talk about Sky. Would you like anything?" So I'm very grateful to to PRs at Sky for um for reaching out and getting in touch and. Yeah, we'll always um, give you, the listener, as much chance as possible to, to get in touch with broadcasters and have your say. Um, that is the whole point. Well, let's move on to some tennis that's happened a bit more recently than the US Open. Uh, it, it's a sort of, it's a special day for women's tennis, George, isn't it? Because they're back in China. What a moment for the WTA to be back in China after, uh, I guess, four years away. Um would you would you like to to trot out your line about WTA going back to China again? I feel like I haven't heard it for a while. Yeah, I mean it's it's not not great, is it? Really, I mean they they sort of half made a principal stand for a bit, um, and then finances have done the talking. I, I do have some sympathy from that perspective. I do think they're in real <laughs> financial difficulty at the minute, and probably you know. You do have to take relatively tough decisions, I suppose, but it does all feel a little unsatisfactory. They've not kind of reached a positive conclusion with the Peng Shui episode, and you know, it's just quite depressing, isn't it? That the world works like this. Yes, money, money talks. Unfortunately, Calvin. Uh, yeah, I mean, some people would argue that they didn't take any type of political stance at all and mm. there were no tournaments missed in China for the the WT through the WTA's boycotting than they would have been missed had they not boycotted at all. Mm. Um, and it was just a little bit of PR and I think the Chinese probably knew they had to do that. I find it quite sad but it's also it's one of those, isn't it? There's a chance we wouldn't have any women's tennis if if they didn't go back to China and various other places where they may end up going in the next few years mm. yeah i mean that's the thing <laughs> but, isn't it like i think but, we might look, look back on china and think it's just the thin end of the wedge but we haven't you know still i don't think there's any resolution to where peng shui actually is Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. George? If we, if we don't mind muddling the items slightly as well on this, I mean, the field in the Masters 1000 in Guadalajara is really disappointing. Um, and it's kind of as a result of this ludicrous calendar you've got now where for one, you know, one random week shoving people off to Mexico and then they're expected to go back to Asia for the rest of this period and you know i think someone i saw someone describe it as a 
challenger event uh, for 1000 which you know it's just a shame obviously you're going to have a lot of players low down the rankings who go there thinking it's a great opportunity for points but it's just A, Guadalajara and Mexico have proved to be really good hosts um, Mm. and it's a shame not to kind of reward them Um, and B, I think it could have quite a nasty skew on the rankings list in some ways, you know looking at that field someone's going to pick up a thousand points there who I'm fairly certain would not be picking up a thousand points <laughs> elsewhere. So, and that, that's not an insignificant amount. You know, that's the sort of total that takes you into top 20 um, on top of most of the points total. So, yeah, it feels a bit depressing really again because uh, that should be a tournament that people are really looking forward to after last year. Uh, yeah, I, one um, unavoidable uh, absentee is Beatrice Haddad-Meyer. Uh, who I don't know if anyone saw this, but she pulled out late because, and I think I saw Jose Morgado tweeting about it, the shower box in her hotel room, which I think by which he means the sort of glass, you know, like surround of her shower, basically exploded. Um, and she like, she had loads of cuts in her hands. She's needed stitches. Like, God. so she's obviously pulled out because, you know, she can't play tennis. But yeah, it sounds absolutely terrifying, but definitely on a list of like weird injuries to suffer to, to have to pull out of a tournament. <laughs> Very strange indeed. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. Disappointing. And as you say, George, Guadalajara has been a really great host. They've had some really good tournaments there. They've sold a lot of tickets there. Um, and as we always say it, like WTA needs good events and can't look gift horses in the mouth, but then equally that's, that's why we're in China. So I I don't want to carry on with depressing news, but th- this has triggered so much debate online, and not that that should really steer our commissioning, but anyway, it's going to. Um, we're going to talk about Simona Halep. Uh, Simona Halep has been handed a four-year ban uh, running from when she was provisionally suspended in October last year for two doping charges. Um, one, that she tested positive for Roxadustat, um, uh, which is uh, a drug that essentially allows you to take up more oxygen in your bloodstream and improve your um, aerobic ability. Aerobic, aerobic, I think. Excuse me. And uh, one of which was a um, an irregularity with her biological passport, which uh, is basically, and my understanding of it is not as strong as it should be because I'm certainly not a scientist, um, but it's basically the base levels that they use to monitor players and so that they have a normal level that they can then say when something changes they can say oh well something has changed here um and the reason that's particularly relevant is because the itaia says it shows that she was trying to circumvent the dopers essentially that she was trying to cover up the fact that she was using rocks to do stuff they say that she has used it intentionally um and as i say that she was trying to circumvent um the doping anti-doping um, level George, she's 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 going to be thirty five, I believe, when this ban expires. Assuming that she does not um, win her appeal to the Court of Arbitration for Sport, which this sort of direction of travel seems to be that she won't. I mean, it should be pointed out the ITA were asking for a six year ban, um, but they couldn't, even though the tribunal accepted there was a strong suspicion that doping had gone on since March. Um, they could not, um, to complete satisfaction, 
prove that it had gone on since then because she wasn't actually tested very much over the summer. Um, I think that's the the correct wording. She's got it in front of me. Yes. Uh, George, do you think she'll come back if she doesn't win her appeal and has to spend four years out? Um, that's a good, tough question to know, isn't it? Really, I think she probably will want to try to from a reputational point of view. Um, obviously, I had Sharapova coming back late in her career, um, and you know, not quite as old as Halep, obviously, but she had a, a spell out and then tried to put things right, I suppose, in inverted commas. Um, it's hard, though, stepping away from a top-level professional sport and trying to just swan back in, particularly at that sort of age. I, I can't really imagine it going that well for her. Um, but I suspect she might want to want to try. And uh, I mean, I, I'm almost reluctant to sort of have this hypothetical conversation until it's gone through the appeal process, because Every time you think it's a slam dunk sort of thing in the this sort of arena, something weird happens, and um, you know it, it, it can be reduced quite significantly. I, I mean, if I were a betting man, I'd probably back it to go down to eighteen months or two years or something. But um, but you're not so convinced, and well, I, no, I, because I hope not if they've got the proof because they, well, they do need to have stricter sanctions on this sort of stuff. So, kind of as we discussed, um privately uh yes often bans do go to court of arbitration for sport and get reduced but more often than not it's because the itaa or the whoever whatever sport it might be want to come down very harshly on on the strict liability if something's in your blood system you've doped it doesn't matter whether it's intentional or not the, the specific specificities of a ban can depend but they want to be seen to be very harsh and then the court of arbitration for sport generally or at least certainly in the Sharapova case, for example, said, no, she's not a cheat. This is not a case of someone who is a cheat. They said that in their judgment. And uh, we're going to reduce the ban because it was just unfortunate, basically. And, and that does often happen, that they accept the excuse of the athlete, basically, uh, and that they do reduce the ban. Um, it's not always that expensive to go to court of arbitration sport because if you don't already have the money, then there is a fund in place, basically legal aid, um, to, to get you there. Um, I don't think that that necessarily is such a slam dunk as you think it is, George, this time, because we are talking about an intentional doper. That is what the tribunal has found, that this was not someone who had a contaminated supplement, that the scientists and tribunal involved have not accepted that. And they have said this is an intentional doper. And then they've also brought a secondary charge of like trying to circumvent doping. And for a tribunal to say... There is a suspicion um, of doping for a longer period than we have accepted is, is, is definitely true. That's very strong. I, I haven't read lots of these, but I've read a fair few of them. And I don't remember a tribunal often saying, oh, well, we, we are suspicious, but we're not sure. So we can't actually do you for, for the other months. Um, I think that's pretty rare. And as I say, the ITIA were pushing for a, a six-year ban. Um, Calvin, I guess as someone who works in sport, um, and specifically in tennis, do you want someone who has been in, te- I mean, an intentional doper getting a four-year ban? Should we not be of the opinion that someone who has intentionally doped it gets a lifetime ban, or, or is that just too extreme? I think if it's the first time, I think four years is fine. It's a hell of a, you know, you to take four years out of your career, 
especially as an athlete, is is absolutely huge. Mm. Like you can't and saying well, I, I wouldn't even like to get involved in whether she can come back. We just don't know what we don't know what the world will look like four <laughs> years from now. We don't know what the sport will look like four years from now. She couldn't say like what well, she's not gonna train every day for four days before and, and then come back. That's not how mm. it works. So um I don't know. One thing that surprised me is the amount of players who've come out in support of her. Mm. Or players and, and coaches and ex-players, which I found bizarre and doesn't really happen. And I've never seen it happen in any other sport. That when somebody's been found guilty of cheating, they're basically then outcast from the sport. Whereas mm. it seems to be like, and they, the, these players who are doing it seem to be basing it on nothing other than she's their friend. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, this can't possibly have happened. And then, then weirdness about the stuff about how it took too long. Like, even if she was doing it, well, it just took too long. Well, that's surely you, takes however long it takes yeah. to, to find out if what happened there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I happen to think, and I know you know more about this, James, than I do, because you've, you've researched it more. I think she will get it reduced just because, and, and I know this through people in the sport, people in both tennis and football and cricket, who I also know coaches and that kind of thing from, the, the the reputation is strongly that the CAS will always favour the athlete and they will find mm. a way to favour the athlete. And the classic case of is it, as you remember, in football when Manchester City got their ban for financially doping a few years ago, when it went to the CAS, they, that seemed like an absolute lock. That they mm. And even I remember on the day, there were reports that there, there's no way they can overturn this ban. And they did. <laughs> they seem to overturn it just on the basis, well, it's probably better for the sport if they're playing and they found some sort of loopholes and and that so like it can't be more this can't be more of a lock than that was. Yeah. And and and, and they found it. Um, you know, so I, I do think that what they'll do, I think it'll be slap on the wrist, they'll say, Yeah, she I don't think they'll say she intentionally banned, they'll get around it some way saying that her nutritionist knew but she didn't. Um and you know, although it, it can't, she can't be. It is strict liability and that kind of thing. She wasn't entirely aware that she was doing it. So, a halfway house of a, a one year stroke eighteen month ban, I think, what is what we'll end up with. And and while ever we keep doing that, we'll show that we're not taking cheating in sport seriously. While ever that what's keeps the, happening, what's the sort of attitude in in the locker room? Is in just not talking in specificities, but. In general, do people talk about doping? Are there lots of rumours about doping? Is it, you know, do people complain about testing? Do they think they don't get tested enough? I don't think anyone thinks they don't get tested enough. The things what stand out to me that from that point of view in the, in the locker room is that the, the people who do the tests are not very pleasant and they're not very helpful either. They mm. can often be, and I think they I think they do go too far on that, but then again, I guess they don't have to be nice. I know that, for I'll give a story. I know when Henry Wycoach, he... He was playing a singles match before he just started playing doubles, playing a singles match about 14 months ago. And um, he was winning the match, and he was on a grass court, and he slipped, and he slipped a disc in his back, and mm. he was in some extreme pain, and he had to retire from the match, and he, he was struggling to walk off the court. And the second that he walks off the court, the drug test was, you need to go and take a test. And then I remember Henry going, well, can I just go see the physio, and I'll be there in 20 minutes. Like no, you need to take a test or you'll receive a ban. Mm. And you know, it's like let's just have a bit of logic. 
Yeah. This. You know, you, you know, it's like, especially at that tournament, it's a 15K. You know, it's like, <laughs> if need be, just go and stand there and watch him get his treatment if you want. Yeah. Um, and so we ended up having to, and it's not just something you can just, you know, we know it's not something you can just produce. So, um, so you know, that, that there's, that's one of the things that stands out is that the players find the drug testers quite, um, I mean, you know, quite distant and not very helpful. There's the silly thing that they do where you have to list, I think, I don't know the exact number, you have like three months in advance, you have to say exactly where you are. Yeah, it's which called, yeah, whereabouts, abso- yeah. Yeah, which, which is absolutely impossible for tennis players. Like, but you can like, change like, that. Like, you can change that up to, I think, up right, to 24 okay. hours okay, in yeah. advance. Okay, you know, you, right. For, for people who maybe don't know the, the system, because I'm something we're very used to, I suppose, but basically you have to give an hour of every day where you will are able to say where you are. Now, most people say 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. or 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. And what it means is sometimes you'll get a knock on the door and at the address that you've written down for that day. And if you're not there and you don't answer the knock on the door or you don't answer the doorbell, then you get a missed test. And this is what Elias Ema got. He got three of those. Um, and it always creates arguments. Whenever someone gets done, because you can miss two, can't miss three. And it always creates arguments because they claim, like, you know, that, that that they only rang my doorbell once and I was asleep and or they only rang my doorbell right at the end of the hour and then drove away or, or all sorts of things, quite frankly. But yes, that's... Uh, I suppose, Calvin, to come back to to your point about the, the testers not being very pleasant, I almost don't want them to be. Like, I, I sort of don't think they should be. I, I don't think it needs to be pleasant, James, but I think it does need to be like, you know, you don't have to sit there and have a chat, but the position, it feels like the position they always take up is you are a doping cheat, prove to mm. me otherwise. And that, mm. and, and that's not what it should be. You know, it, it's like, you know, let, let's, let's be reasonable here. There's no reason why you can't just be affable and empathetic and that mm. kind of thing. And, and you, you know, it's, I, I don't think there's any issue, any reason why that should be the case. Um, and the last thing, you, you know, to, to add to what, what stands out is that there are certain players and coaches who think that it is rife in the game, is, mm. that cheating is rife in the game. I'm, I'm not as clued up on it as some, but I happen to think, look, I'll base it on this, that in life, people cheat. That, mm. That's human nature. People will cheat. A certain proportion of people will cheat at anything in life. So why are we to think that that wouldn't represent it? That same proportion of people wouldn't represent itself in sport, in any sport, and that's not the proportion that we're finding guilty of cheating. Um, and that's that's to me is just just it's just common sense. So there are certain there, there are certain portions. I'd say about twenty percent of players and coaches think there is a lot of this stuff going on, and um, and and we're not doing enough to catch it. And I'd say about eighty percent players and players either 80 percent players and coaches either just it never enters their head or they they they're quite i find there's a naivety in it as well a lot of the time because i've seen very strong arguments put to players and coaches that certain players are doing something that may be untoward and the response is well they haven't been te- they've never tested positive have they and that's <laughs> that's the thinnest argument of all you yeah. can only test someone for something that you know exists. You can't test it. There's no test for blood spinning. We know that through Lance Armstrong. It's well, your that's own why blood. that's what the biological passport is supposed to be yeah. able to, yeah. to track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which now, now it, it, yeah, that's coming now. So that you can take that out. But it's like the idea that 
you know, well, you know, you can't test, they've never tested positive. So that, that, that to me is, is hugely naive. Mm. Um, mm. But yeah, I think, and, and, you know, there are, there are some high profile players who are absolutely certain that other high profile players have been cheating in their careers. Mm. George? Yeah, I, I, mean, I was going to say, even kind of putting the, the cheating aspect of it to one side, I think if you think about elite level sport as a whole, a lot of it that you hear people talking about marginal gains and things they can do to kind of take that next step forward athletically. You know, I think if someone says, oh, we've got this supplement that's going to make you a little bit sharper on the court, it's definitely not banned, it's definitely not an illegal substance, you know, are, are people going to turn around and necessarily say, no, I don't want that extra bit of concentration on court or whatever it might be, you know? I, I think that, I'm not saying that is the conversation that necessarily happens quite in those terms, but, you know, I think Kyrgios put it a little bit flippantly on Twitter. But, you know, What was it that he said? You have to remind me. He, he said something about you could, you know, there's all sorts of things all of them are putting in their bodies that are kind of not natural and whatever. I, I fuel myself through Coca-Cola and something else or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I think it's probably a bit too flippant and ridiculous there, but there probably is a degree of truth in that that is thinking about, okay, what, what is legal? What can we push the boundaries with? I think and, with that, George, I think, I think, with them. I think what George says there makes a lot of sense in that that's how it works, all this. It's not, it's not straightforward. It's not like, oh, it's not like a, a nutritionist or a doctor comes to a player and goes, this is illegal, but if you take it, I think you'll get away with it. It is generally, I would imagine, it is something along the lines of, look, there's this thing that you can take. It will make your performance better. It's not illegal. We think it might become illegal in the future, but by that time, we'll have found something else that you will take that isn't illegal, but may become illegal in the future. And that's the feeling that a lot of players have about another, about other players, and in particular from one particular country. Hmm. Um, just to, to, to exactly what Kyrgios said, uh, George, was uh, I run on bananas and Coca-Cola in five-set battles, and my record in them speaks for itself. Maybe players should just stop taking shady shit, look yourself in the mirror, and at the end of the day, say, I did it right, not hard. I mean, I don't even think I have the energy to like just pull that to pieces because it's just. He also doesn't do the... that. Look at look at look at look at look at Nick Kyrgios's five set match to see how many times he's drinking a can of coke. It's just absolute nonsense. <laughs> but also, like, again, like, stop the guy just lives in a reality. Jeez. Yeah. I, I also the idea that like all you have to do is realize that you did it the right, like convince yourself to do it the right way. Like, ah, uh, oh, Calvin, I can't. I can't. I honestly can't. Um, it's exactly what you said earlier. People will cheat. Just just one final other kind of slightly different angle to take this from. I mean, we saw Serena Williams sort of tweet, eight is a better number. And, you know, whether whether or not this was actually about Halep, she's been deliberately cryptic. You can imagine it, it would be. But, I mean, from her perspective, looking at this result and assuming she is not also a doper, which, uh, you know, I'm sure she's not. That that must be quite hard to be looking back at that final at Wimbledon um, and thinking that was a Margaret Court moment. One, I could get 24. She's absolutely battered me off the court. She's played brilliant stuff. 
I, I do think there's a degree to which if you are a clean athlete and you're seeing a decision like this going forward about kind of intentionally doping, that, that must that must pull on your mind a bit. You must be pretty pretty upset and frustrated by that. Yeah, I'm sure. And I think that's that's why it's so important to have a really rigorously clean sport. And, you know, I don't think that doping bodies have enough money. I know that doping bodies don't have enough money. Um, that That's just true in almost every sport. I think uh, the ITA is not badly funded, um, but it's a hell of a sport to anti-dope because, like, players are all over the world all of the time. And I think it's probably one of the toughest sports to kind of you know the most expensive sports i should say to to test in um and there are a lot of tournaments so i think probably they need all the budget they can get their hands on quite frankly um mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones blue nile has something she'll adore need it fast most items can ship overnight Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah I, 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 yeah, I think probably as a player you do look at it and go, oh, I wonder if... It's the same with match fixing, I'm sure. Like, you must... Every, if someone you've played against... Like Calvin, I... I I sort of imagine it must have happened at some point where someone you've played against or coached against has subsequently been done for match fixing. And it, it must enter your mind at some point, like, oh, maybe that match we won in Marrakesh two years ago was bent. That's weird. Um, there was an instance with one of my players in a doubles match um, where he played with just randomly a player from Argentina, I think it was, or somewhere in South America. And he didn't know the player. They'd just basically signed in together at a tournament that happens a hell of a lot of time at 15 and 25K tournaments. Um, mm. And um, he'd say, you know, the guy said, do you want to sign in? He's like, yeah, fine. It happens all the time. Now, and this shows where it's, it's not black and white. Things aren't black and white. That The, the money in um, 15K doubles in particular is basically nothing. And the mm. points are not really anything either. Um, and the player had said to the player that I coached, a player that I coached, I don't want to name them because it's not fair on them, um, was, no, no, so what happened? The match went on, and um, I think they won the match. I can't, I can't be here 100% saying I think they won the match. And then like, three years went by, and then the player I coached had uh, got a message from, I think it probably was the ITIA or what are they mm. called ITIA. ITIA, yeah, International yeah, Tennis Integrity. Yeah, Agency. I think it was from then saying basically we need to have a meeting with you. So he got on a Zoom call and had a discussion, and and they basically said this this player you played with for one week is under investigation for match fixing. Mm. And they said, well, you know, did did you give any indication? So 
he went back and had a look at his messages because he wasn't friends with this guy by any stretch. Yeah. They, you know, they I don't doubt very much doubt they spoke before or after this tournament. <laughs> and what he'd said was they were both out of the singles at this stage. And what he'd said was, and this I can't express enough that this message at that level goes round so often because because of the, the lack of money and the cost it takes you to stay in a tournament. And yeah. he, he said something along the lines of, "Do you want to play full out in this doubles?" And it was basically like, are you asked about staying in the doubles or not? Yeah. And that was it. And then I remember, like, I had a conversation with, with the player who I coached, and, and he said, like, but it then became apparent that what had happened was, like, the lad who he was playing with basically had, I think he had a wife and two kids. This is what the ITIA had told him. He had a wife and two kids. He was, in, he was struggling financially. And, you know, this might have happened. And he said, well, I feel a bit bad because I'm basically going to shaft him now. And I don't even know if in that instance it was meaning that kind of thing. It, yeah. was, it was a message that goes around, that gets sent around all the time, 20 times a year. Because yeah. there's nothing to really to be gained from stay, staying in the doubles unless you, you really, really want to play doubles. Mm. Um, and I think the player actually got banned. For yeah. it, and I don't know whether he got banned for that one instance. Well, there yeah, exactly, obviously were the... some some other instances, but yeah, that to me shows that you know on that kind of thing, it's not always. And again, you know, and I've heard stories as well about you know from the match fixing point of view, where I've heard players who've been in Russia at a futures. You know, this goes back 10, 12, 14, 15 years ago. They've been at a tournament in Russia, minding their own business. There's a knock on the door, um, and somebody says to them, "You are going to lose tomorrow." Hmm. And what are you going to do? What yeah. are you going to do? You're a 21 year old. 21 year old. You answer your you answer your room door. There's two guys there who say you're going to lose the match tomorrow. Or when it gets to four all, you're going to serve a double fault on the foot. When it gets to the ninth ninth or the tenth game, whenever you're serving, you're going to serve a double fault twice in the game. And you what don't you want to see do? what happens if you don't. Yeah. Exactly. And it's all right mm. going, oh, well, you know, that's cheap, that's match fixing and that kind of thing. But put yourself in that position when you're a you're 19 year old. And yeah. that, that's what you get. And it's, you know, and that, that, that's where I say, that's where I come back to. It's human nature. People cheat. Serious stuff. <laughs> Can we talk about Jack Draper getting pissed and wearing a bucket hat? <laughs> that, that would really cheer me up. Um, yeah, probably not, not, I mean, we've had a lot of great Davis Cup moments over the last few years um, as Brits, but beating France to, to make the Davis Cup finals, going down to the, to the final um, match to win the doubles. They say four match points, is that right, in the doubles to, to make it through? Oh, yeah. Uh, and they'll face either Italy or Serbia, my uh, notes tell me. Um, there's so much to talk about here. Andy Murray winning a singles match, uh, an absolute battle as usual on the day of, as it turned out, his grandmother's funeral, um, which is just maybe the most Andy Murray thing ever, really. I mean, <laughs> the, the Davis Cup obviously means so much to him. Um, Leon Smith's various selection calls, you know, four different singles players used over the week. I don't know how often we've done that uh, as a British Davis Cup team. Um, Calvin, was this a group that they should have got out of and therefore we shouldn't be celebrating too too um, sort of vociferously? Or actually, is this a pretty decent achievement to get out of that group? Ah, we've lost Calvin. <laughs> oh, okay. Didn't think it was that tough a question, but he's dodged it. Um, George, we should have got out of this group anyway. Um, I mean, I, my personal view is we have a pretty strong team at the minute. And I think particularly in that second seed singles position, 
got a good chance to win a lot of matches, even against the very best nations. And then Skapsky and Evans have proved to be a really good doubles pairing. So, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's never as easy to say, yeah, you should definitely get out of any group. Um, but, and there were some good kind of, some good, good teams in there who were capable of big wins. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I kind of fancy Britain's chances to do pretty well. I mean, obviously they play Serbia next. They're going to have to come through Novak Djokovic, which won't be easy. But actually, I, I'd give Jack Draper and Andy Murray a pretty good chance of winning as the number two seed against most players if they're the guys playing there. Um, so yeah, I, I think potentially positive times, even if I'm, I'm not convinced by some of the selection calls. I saw this week, to be perfectly honest. Calvin, as George rightly points out, probably if we play Serbia, it's going to be a big ask to uh, to get further than the quarterfinals. But should we should we be pleased to have uh, found a way through that that group of four? Uh, yeah, ish. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I think we probably have expected them to get through it. After all, you know, and that's not that's not me trying to sort of mark it down, but it's like, I think you'd have probably made them favourites if you looked at the four teams. Um, you'd probably made them favourites to finish top as well, I think. Mm. Australia, like, you know, I think, probably were the ones that I looked at and thought, that's, you know, pretty match-up dependent. Yeah, but then, you know, Australia play... You've you got to remember that Jack's ranking is lower than it should be. His, his, his ranking's lower mm. because he's been injured. Right? So Jack's a better player than Kokinakis. Like so, that wasn't. Mm. It's all right, you know. It's not really a a, a masterstroke saying we're going to play Jack against Kokinakis because that's what you would think would happen. You know, that's what you would think. That would be the obvious thing to do to me. And then, um, although I did think that they would have played Purcell. At, um, I mean, I get. I I don't know what stage everybody's going to find out or Australia's going to find out. Leighton Hewitt, for all as he was an excellent tennis player, is an absolute dunce as a coach or a, a, a team captain. Because, like, you know, what, what's his record? How does he keep keeping these jobs? Like, and I know they've ended up qualifying. They've got, like, a lot of good players, but it doesn't make any good tactical decisions or anything. Like, you know, I don't know why you brought Kopenakis in to play that. Um, I'd have played Max Purcell in it, you know. but And I think Jack probably would have beaten Max Purcell, to be honest, as well. But hmm. um, And then you've got Evo, whose record against Dimonor is excellent. So... Hmm. Any way you can get Evo against Dimonor would make sense, especially if you can get Jack Draper as your second. And Jack, to be fair, Jack fully fit. Jack is a legit top thirty player, I think. So yeah. um, I, I don't, you know, I think that was quite quite obvious. And they, they, you know, Australia have a very good doubles pair. That Purcell and Ebden have won Wimbledon um, mm. as a doubles pair. Switzerland, you know, I think Switzerland just don't have any doubles players. So you mm. basically got to win. You got to win the, the one of the singles. And do that, and then France wasn't France's best team. Let's let's have it right. You know, it's um. Again, I don't want to feel like I'm throwing cold water on it here, but I also I'm I'm trying to be a realist about it. Um, you know, even even the doubles at the end, I don't know why on earth they wouldn't have brought Pierre Hughes Herbert to play in that doubles. For all that Roger Vaselin is a is a steady player, you've got like Herbert and Mahu have won five slams together. They just made mm. the semi finals of the of the US Open 
a week and a half ago. Not even that, a week ago. Like, I, I, you know, that blew my mind that they went and did that. Um, and he also adds a bit of youth to it. And that's what, you know, Roger Vaseline and um, Mahu, both still excellent players, but they're both the wrong side of 40. Mm. So um, I think all, all things being considered, you would say that you'd probably make them free. We've got, we've got a lot of strength in depth in singles. We've got a lot of strength in depth in doubles, but we don't seem to want to pick those players. And I think that <laughs> might come back to burners. Is Draper getting to the point of being almost first name on the, the singles team sheet, or, or should he be? I mean, he feels like such a strong number two player, potentially. Um, I mean, you know, I think Ev- you've got to give Evo credit. He's won, won all three matches, didn't he? Um, he won all six matches, didn't he? Did he play all the singles matches? I didn't think oh, no, he played play, against... Oh, no, he didn't play the second uh... day, sorry. He didn't play the second yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So... But yeah, and I know where you're going with that, George. And yeah, I'd, I'd say so. You know, at the age he is and and what he's capable of doing, I'd say that. Um, I'd say that he, he probably you, you're certainly hoping if you're Leon now, you're certainly hoping that Jack's going to be fit for all the ties. Hmm. Um, you know, that, you I don't can... think that's that's a wild statement to say. I don't think. Calvin, you were pretty surprised. Uh, arguably, this shouldn't have been as close as it was because. You were pretty surprised to see Cam Norrie's name on the team sheet for the uh, number one singles match against France, weren't you? Yeah, it's, it's nothing against Cam at all, but he's just not in good form. Like, you know, and I get what, well, I understand the reason they did it was they wanted to try and get Evo against Manorino. Yeah. Uh, because he's got a great record against Manorino. But that's disregard, you know, that's assuming that the French were so stupid that they were going to not spot that and try and get someone yeah. else in. It nearly paid off for the French. Um, like, you know, fees should have won the match, really, I think. Um, mm. Tony Casevo is such a great competitor, and he's an excellent player as well. Um, but having said that, I also was certain that once it got close, that Norrie would beat Humbert, because I, I don't have any faith in Humbert to ever close any match out. No. Um, no. And any, any big match out. And um, I think Cam will be kicking himself for serving the double follow on match point. Mm. Because I mm. think it's a case that once the tighter it gets, make Humbert play balls, and he'll do something crazy. Yeah. Um, do, are we just desperate? I think the draw is potentially tomorrow, so I think by the time you hear this, you will know. Um, but presumably, we're just desperately hoping to get Italy and not get Serbia, right? Like, there's, is there any chance we beat Serbia, Calvin? Who's Serbia's second single? I mean, is, is Djokovic definitely going to play? If they get there, well, he played obviously the the group stages, so I would guess that that would suggest yes. I know he's pulled out; he's just pulled out of China today. Um, George, yeah, he's put a reduced schedule in that is pretty much just I think Bercy ATP finals and Davis Cup finals. I think right, to be one of the. Um, I mean, that's... but he 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 does well, seem quite geared up. Sorry, today. George, I, I'd I'd give us a chance against Serbia. Yeah, t- what I would say is again, it, it's going to come down to selection. Like, who would play two for Serbia if they weren't in their rankings? Dusan Lejovic, I think, was playing right. two then, for Serbia. Yeah, then you'd, you'd give you'd give Drapes if you could get Drapes in at two, you'd give him at least a fifty-fifty against Dusan Lejovic on a, mm. on an indoor hard court, and then it's going to go down to the doubles. Mm. Um, and it depends what they do. We we know what they're going to do with the doubles. I I don't know if that is the right thing to do. 
just on sort of, I mean, Spain aren't going to be there. It's a, it's a Davis Cup final knockout without Spain in Spain, which is pretty disastrous for Gerard Piquet. Um, Stan Wawrinka was tweeting this week that there were, I think, a thousand people in for France against Switzerland in Manchester, which is no slight against Manchester or anyone else, but I think it is a slight against Gerard Piquet, Calvin, isn't it? Like that every year, I feel like now we say this is like it's obvious. I tell you what, once they knew that Spain weren't making it, I bet the people in Malaga were just hoping that Great Britain did, because just because of all the expats and that kind of thing around yeah. Malaga. They'll, I think they'll probably still get a pretty big crowd in at Malaga. From, oh, and jo- Djokovic is huge. Well, as Djokovic, well. But, yeah, but also you know that there are you know joking aside, there are a hell of a lot of people in in the Malaga area from Britain, and, yeah, and, yeah, a, yeah. and a lot of them do like tennis, and yeah. you know they 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 tend to have quite a bit of money to spend as well. So mm. I suspect that. I don't know how big the arena is where it's going to be held, but I suspect that with, with that, I think Britain will probably be the most, the best supported team there. I would suspect. Mm. Um, Apart it was from Serbia, just because because Djokovic, you know. Do you think they get a, a lot of people standard. there though? Like, are there, are there many Serbians going to travel? But you know, there's loads of Spanish Djokovic fans. Like, there's no shortage of. That. I mean, the guy yeah. lives in Spain, basically. Yeah, um, he lives near there. Doesn't live in Marbella. Yeah, yeah, not far away so, at all. Um, so. so, I mean. Yeah, possibly so. Um, but it, it was mad to me the team that Spain put out, though. Like, wasn't very strong at all, was it? Their doubles pair was weird. It was Fokina and was it Grenoyers? And I'm I'm not convinced. I mean, I don't think they won a single match, or maybe they won one. But um, yeah. yeah, that was particularly strange. But it's, it's gonna be, it's yeah. gonna be interesting. There's a lot of there's a lot of ties in it that you think initially think, oh, that'd be a good one. That'd be a good one for Britain. And then you look at it and you think, don't know, actually, with, with that kind of thing. You know, there's some, there's some good doubles players left in the tournament. There's um, who's left in? You've got Middlecoop and uh, Kulhoff from mm. the Netherlands. Who else? Give me the other countries. I'll tell the, you. Uh, Canada, Czech Republic, Finland, Australia. In Canada, it depends if, you know, who they put out. Um, yeah. Amazing that they've, they've actually managed to qualify without any of their, their big guns. Um, mm. Croatia are still in, aren't they? Uh, no, I believe oh, not. Christ if George's out, notes are correct, if George's oh, notes Christ are correct, out. George only listed yeah. four, six teams though. What is um, uh, I have to check the uh, checking the record, uh, fact checking George. Something I don't like having to do, actually. George, Croatia finished bottom of their group. They were in the right. group of death with Netherlands, right. Finland, yeah. USA, and Croatia. And USA and Croatia went out. I mean, like just on a serious note, like Finland getting out of that group is huge. Otto Burton and Emil Rusevari, um, and then Helio Harry Heliovara. He played with Patrick Niklas Salmanen uh, in one of them, and a guy called Patrick Kalkovalta in one of the yeah, other. Yeah, I think ones. that was Dead Rubber, though, the one that he played. Okay, I know Patrick okay. Niklas Salmanen. He- well, Luke, Luke beat him in the final of uh, Challenger that he won two weeks ago. Oh, there you go. Um, but nevertheless, like, you know, Otto Burton and Emil Rusevori probably pretty under, under-celebrated I mean, players. We, we were talking about this earlier, right? If if they're on form, you do not want to play Otto Burton and um, Emil Rusevori. They can Especially hit on an indoor ball. court. Yeah, they can yeah. hit a tennis ball. And if, if, they, if, if they hit a bit of form, which they can do, they're a tough afternoon for anybody. That, that doesn't hmm. surprise me as much as it surprised some other people um, and right. again on an indoor hard court there's not many people who's going to fancy that match a great deal 
You'd mm. give the, I'd give them a chance against. The problem is that that they don't. I mean, Harry's Harry's obviously a good doubles player, top class doubles player, but they don't have much to play with him underneath that. Um, I think Patrick yeah. Nicholas Salmon actually been struggling with a back injury um, mm. for for the last six months or so. But so you'd think they have to win both singles all the time. Um, yeah. But, and they're um, going to draw a seed in the quarterfinals as well. That's the problem. They're going to get one of Canada, Czech Republic, Netherlands, or uh, Great Britain, yeah. who I think yeah. are all going in as the seeded countries because they'll finish top. Um, so yeah, it's not it's not going to be an easy draw. Although it does mean that they're, they're going to avoid Serbia. So as far as I can tell, if I I'm if I've understood the be, draw correctly, be interested to see what um, what Canada do actually because neither none of their I mean it depends whether you count Raonic, but say the, the two others, the two. Felix and uh, Shapovalov, they don't warrant a place in the team, but they might also fancy playing, and they'll probably hold quite a bit of political capital there. And it's whether they, mm. whether the captain goes, no, no, this is the team that got us there. You two are out. Well, yeah, it's pretty staggering. I mean, I, you know, I've heard of Gabriel Diallo, and obviously we all know Vasic Pospisil. I can't say I've ever heard of Alexis Galar now. I mean, uh, I know the both. Diallo's, the 20... yeah, Diallo's a good player. Diallo's a big ball striker, um, big clean ball striker. Mm. Alex Garno, I've come, I've come across many times in challenges. He's a talented player. I, I wouldn't say I'd have him down as somebody who's going to be in the top fifty in the world, but he's he's a good tennis mm. player. Um, you know, he's a solid tennis player. But you know, would would you would anybody put Shapovalov and Felix out in the hope of winning a tennis match to the minute? I mean, Felix is a very good indoor. Like indoors is probably his best surface in theory. Like just with his game and and how it kind of works, and not having to hit too many balls, and you know, I mean, surely they ask Ra- I mean, Raonic if he's fit. You'd think because he nah, actually he would never have played it. He wouldn't have played it. He he literally couldn't. Like he he's he was only ever going to play. Wimbledon, Toronto in the U.S. Open. It was literally just like what he's done. He wouldn't then? have played it. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's retired. Yeah, that was always his plan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah, know he, that. I didn't he know he retired. retired. I thought. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought he was talking about maybe. You know, we'll see how it goes. If he if he has, that's news to me. But certainly, right. when I spoke to him, all right, this was admittedly before Wimbledon, but I'm pretty sure that was just that, and he was pretty okay. happy to okay. be to be retiring again. Um, but yeah, okay. as far as I know. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> he is. Ah, there we go. His news, he's going to Vancouver for the Labour Cup as an alternate. I mean, knows how to make some cash. Give him that. <laughs> but I don't know about it anymore. I think we might have lost Calvin again. Um, George, a few other bits to mop up. Oh, no, back he's, now, back. he's back, he's back, he's back. Yeah. Sorry. Um, well, let's. I don't know if there's any, any other bits to mop up, George. A few bits we haven't mentioned. Holger Rune has got a back injury. Um, which seems to be going on for quite some time. He's been taking a lot of painkillers for it and might explain why his form's been so bad over the summer. Um, hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Barbara Kachikova has won a title in San Diego. Alison Kruger wins the Japan Open. George, any of that you really, anything that you really wanted to pull pull the bones out of? I'd probably just say on, on Runa, I hope it's not something serious and long-term. I mean, they've sort of played it down quite a lot, but I mean, his form really did nosedive on the clear. Um, and he, he was starting to establish himself as one of the most consistent players on the tour, and I more hate him, one of the more interesting characters as well, so... I do wish him a, a speedy recovery because I think he's uh, he's someone we do want up around the top of the game, even if he's not really the most popular guy up there. Yeah, agreed. Um, Calvin, you're out in Saint-Tropez, although it's the Saint-Tropez Challenger. It's not really in Saint-Tropez, is that right? Uh, yeah, it's, well, it's not miles away. I mean, I guess it's what you call Saint-Tropez. You know, you think of Saint-Tropez, you think it's the, the port and the beach and that kind mm. of thing, and that the... the area around that it's not in that it's you know it's about 15 minute drive i think uh from yeah. that so being the nature of challenger tournaments um and with doubles being that they usually go on quite late i'm not sure how much i'll actually get to feel that it's santa play um <laughs> but yeah i thought james before we go i thought you wanted to um have a quick chat about the the discussion about peak with rinker against peak murray Oh, yeah, absolutely. George, you left it off the running order, you scumbag. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this kind of came off social media, didn't it? Um, well, and kind of these hypothetical conversations, which, well, I, I tell you what, Calvin, it's not really a hypothetical conversation, is it? Because Peak Murray, I think as Brodes pointed out, Liam Brody, Peak Murray did play Peak Vavrinka quite a lot. It's actually me who pointed that out, James, on Brodes' oh, Sorry, Twitter. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Much as I love Brodes, he doesn't have such a co- coercent uh, argument that I do. So uh, <laughs> he, he was, um, but yeah, um, yeah. No, it's it's not. I found it a bizarre conversation to have. Like peak peak Stan would have beaten peak Murray. Well, they both played in their peaks, and Murray they both beat each other regularly, and Murray won a few more. But then mm. what, what I found weird was that again, it's 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 this weird notion of I don't want to sound arrogant or anything. People not understanding tennis. By going, I understand that the it was Courier that made the comment, wasn't it? Jim Courier said Peak Murray, Peak Vavrinka would be Peak Murray. I think so. Um, yeah. But it's it's this idea that, that that the argument was that Vavrinka playing his nine out of ten tennis would be, or his ten out of ten tennis would be Murray playing his ten out of ten tennis because Vavrinka hits loads of winners and Murray mm. doesn't. But that's not really understanding the game so much. I don't want to say that about Jim Curry, but I think it's something he probably hasn't thought about. Because mm. Murray, Andy Murray's entire game is about stopping players playing their 10 out of 10 level and causing them problems and putting them in weird positions on the court where they can't hit their best shots, finding out what their best shots are and avoiding them, finding out what their weaknesses are and putting it there. So... Just to go, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't happen that way that Stan just plays his ten out of ten tennis all the time and he beats Murray because Murray's ten out of ten tennis doesn't hit as many winners. That that would be you'd have to factor in that this would 
if if you're talking about Murray's ten out of ten tennis, you'd have to think this would be Murray playing his most his match with the most clarity and the best tactical one of the best tactical thinking minds of 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 all time, really making the best decisions, finding Stan's weaknesses, and doing that. And that then opens up. Well, then would it be possible for Stan to play? 10 out of 10 tennis if Murray was doing that. So, no. It's not like Murray's just going to go, here, Stan, have some mid-court forehands to, <laughs> to, 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 you know, wrap away on. That's, that's not how it works. So, hmm. I think it's, it's more, uh, it's more, let me think of the, the word. Yeah, I, I don't think it's, it's, it's not hypothetical because they played a lot, but even the, the, the hypothetical argument doesn't make any sense. Um, and just looking at their head-to-head record, which is thirteen-nine in Murray's uh, in Murray's favour. Also, incidentally, Murray and Vavrinka are currently next to each other in the world rankings, which is just kind of a weird thing after all these years. Um, it's thirteen-nine, but I think they've played. I think Stan might be sort of three-one up on Murray since they were both definitely past their peaks. Right. Um, but I just I was sort of thinking about when I think Andy Murray's peak is, and I would say it's pretty much when he got to world number one. At the end of 2016, is that right? Yes, I think that's right. End of 2016, end of 2015. I don't know. Yeah. Um, which, George, which was it? 16. 16. 16. And uh, 2016 was the year that Murray beat Stan at Roland Garros, which, you know, is Murray's worst surface. And he beat Stan 4 and 2 at World Tour Finals. Now, I suppose you would argue that 2016, Stan, I mean, 2016 Stan won the US Open, so he can't be far off, you know, the kind of peak. I think so that's, I, I, that's, I think it's that that's the slam as well, though. That that Stan Stan's won three slams. Two of them he won by just playing lights out stuff. Hmm. The, the 2016 one, I mean, he was he was match point down to Evo in I think the third round of that or the fourth round maybe. Djokovic was on his tree hugging sabbatical that year and somehow <laughs> made the final by about six of his seven opponents withdrawing I think um, <laughs> it was bizarre, Djokovic had a bizarre run to the final of that tournament where mm. he was in no sort of form at all going into it and didn't really play well in the tournament um, but he just players just kept withdrawing against him. Yeah, he had three walkovers, yeah, he had one, one full he... walkover, one after six games and one after two sets Yeah. Was it, was it Monfils he played in the semi-finals or something? I mean, I'm certain it was Monfils and it was such a bizarre match. I'm certain it was the one where Monfils was trying to like moonball him for <laughs> Just bizarre. Um, yeah, so I think the Stan, yeah. and then even the final of that, I think Stan played rubbish in the first set, and then Djokovic kind of won it by default, and then Stan kind of played all right for the rest of it, and Djokovic was just playing how he played that whole year, which was crap. Um, uh, so George peak Stan versus peak Murray. I, I I think peak Murray actually. Um, I think Calvin's kind of right to point out that peak Murray was just a master at making other people play quite badly. I think this discussion has actually got me thinking mm. a little bit about who is the ultimate peak player who would beat anyone. You might you might think someone like Novak might be the peak, but I'm kind of thinking is 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 there a peak? Is there a peak server who, if they had a 10 out of 10 serving day, it's impossible for them to lose because that first shot's just too strong? That, that's then they'd have to return on this. They'd have to return. You know, I've seen Karlovic play matches where he's just, what, you can't, 
then they yeah, have a good return day. It's still their, their best. Yeah, but their best return isn't very good still. So what about, you're basically going to have to. Is, is Pete Kyrgios the best of all time? No, because it's again, <laughs> we're assuming again. No, but we're assuming again that peak is all just shot making. It's just it, that, that shot making is all there is, right? And is, is peak Kyrgios's mentality that good? There's no, there's no way it's. Mm. Even, even looking at Kyrgios's peak mentality is about three out of ten. Mm. So the, if if every if every player I've said this before if every player played their best he, McEnroe wins it was impossible to play against and that goes against anybody he played against he what Pete McEnroe won he went he's he still has the record for the best year statistically he lost three matches in a year mm. and he he which won the final of Wimbledon. I think he beat Connors in the final of, nine, no, sorry which year nineteen eighty four no I said Wigera he lost three he, <laughs> he, sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Weak era. Oh, again, you know, but again, well, Lendl was around then. Lendl weren't bad. So it's, I, mean, I, um, fa- I, fa- I famously have a, a bit of a bee in my body about even Lendl. But, I, <laughs> but no, I but have... that's, if anybody, and, and I, it wasn't, I, did, I was a bit too young to, to, to actually watch him live in his peak. But anybody who saw, what, who knows anything about McEnroe knows that there's been, never been anybody who had such a natural capacity to play the game as he did. And a clear thinker, mm. a tactical thinker, a shot maker, that all things considered. And again, you don't, you don't stick him on court now playing Nadal with, with a wooden racket and that kind of thing. It's, it's all things being equal. The, mm. that, that, that's what it would have been. And it's why he can get away with not watching very much tennis and still turning up to a Grand Slam of being a half-decent commentator, even though he yeah. very obviously doesn't watch very much tennis. Um, it's like like we always do like you know preview chats with him and stuff, and he, he it's just so obvious that he hasn't watched any tennis since the last Grand Slam, where he's just like, yeah. you know, like Djokovic, like, you know, what, you never got, you can never rule him out. It's like, Johnny's literally not played a match. Like, you never rule him out. Like, you never rule him out. Right, okay. Um, but yeah, there you go. Right, I think that's quite enough nonsense from us uh, for for this week. Uh, thanks to everyone who sent in your emails for Sky Sports. I hope that we've, I appreciate we've not given you many answers or maybe many solutions. But what I can tell you is that they have been very sensitive to feedback all the way through, um, like pretty much since they got the rights back. And so I, I do actually think those views that you've sent across are likely to go quite high up the food chain. I kind of know that from experience. So um, hopefully that before we gives go, you a bit of sucker. Can- um, Calvin, can I just nip in? So I just had a thought there before we go about this this peak Murray peaks stand thing, and that to, to to express kind of what I mean, I'd say even more so than Stan, peak Del Potro I think was better than peak Stan, right? And I, but when Del Potro came back and he was playing phenomenal at those Olympics, he beat Nadal and Djokovic, and and he was phenomenal. Mm. And Murray found a way to beat him. And that that was that was kind of he, he still mm. didn't have a backhand to be fair he didn't have the backhand that he had originally but Murray found a way and it's not like Murray came out and thought I'm going to beat him by hitting more winners than him because Djokovic uh, Del Potro was just tearing through the draw beating but again beating both Djokovic and Nadal in that tournament coming through just hitting clean winners past everybody and Murray put him in a position where he just couldn't hit clean winners all the time. There you go. I'm almost tempted to end on the Juan Martín del Potro note, but um, thanks as always for listening. Uh, thank you very much for everyone who's been in touch on Twitter over the last uh, 48 hours. I've really enjoyed all your contributions. 
Um, <laughs> and uh, most importantly, please do come back next week. Sports Social Podcast Network.